Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Welcome on into Fantasy Baseball today, our final weekend recap of the season. Monday, September 27th. Frank Sample joined as always by Scotty Dubs, Scott White. Lots of fun performances to recap. Last second waiver wire moves. If you are still playing things out, I know that there's a few head-to-head leagues still going on. Obviously, Roto Leagues were playing out till the very end. And some starter sit questions for some pitchers that I want to ask you about, Scotty. Some questionable starting pitchers, uh, especially this time of year. But first, first and foremost, it's time to break out the brooms, baby. Let's go. There is a non-zero chance that I will just be insufferable on today's podcast. Because of the Yankees. What do you think, Scott? Well, they are currently in playoff position. <laughs> Let's go. After, after sweeping the Red Sox, winning six in the row in a row. However, they are still just one game up on the Red Sox and, and two games up on the Blue Jays. Mm. And um, yeah, there's still a chance the Mariners could make it too. Uh, and, instead of... So that both of the wild cards don't come from the AL East. Uh but as things stand currently, the Yankees and Red Sox would both be in. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to be a little disappointed if the Blue Jays don't make it in because I was just tweeting about this. They have arguably the favor for AL Cy Young and Robbie Ray. Might be a close call with him and Garrett Cole, but Ray's right there. They have probably the second and third place finishers in AL MVP in Vladimir Guerrero and, and Marcus Simeon. And they have the fifth best run differential in baseball, way higher than both the Yankees and the Red Sox. They deserve to be in the playoffs. I mean, obviously they don't because their win-loss record isn't there, and that's all that really matters. But I do think they are one of the five, six best teams in baseball. And I'll be disappointed if they're not in. If you add the Yankees and Red Sox run differential together, you still don't get the Toronto Blue Jays run differential. <laughs> that, that is yeah. absolutely insane. Uh, but you're right, Scott. I mean, this is part of what I was advocating for in head-to-head fantasy baseball playoffs where the top five teams that make the playoffs uh, are go by records and then the final playoff spot is most points scored. And, and this see, is, if they, this if is the reason why. In real baseball, there would be riots. And I, I think rightfully... <laughs> Because uh, you could just have, like you could just have a team that like uh, I don't know. Well, I guess that wouldn't work. Never mind. I was gonna say something that didn't make sense at all. So let's just let's just move on from the idea. Oh, you mean just saying something that I say all the time, basically <laughs> things that don't make any sense. Uh, Scott, if the Yankees do host the American League Wild Card game, do you think that I should pay up and go to it? It's probably it's probably gonna cost a pretty penny. Why not? Why not? Do you want to do you want to help fund? What, me? what what responsibilities do you have, Frank? Uh, you know, I don't know, just like hosted a bunch of podcasts, no big deal. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I did want to talk about. Look, the games this weekend were honestly awesome. I'm not just saying that because the Yankees won, uh, but I, I thought that there was a lot of drama involved. Saturday was ridiculous. It was like jumping around, screaming like a little child when John Carlos Stanton hit that grand slam, uh, and then on Sunday, just a really weird game between like. Missed opportunities, dropped pop-ups, and then like a strikeout that happened, but then didn't happen, and then it led to like a bunch of run scoring and a rally for the Yankees. So it, it was an awesome weekend of baseball. Uh, and I do want to highlight, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton, he is like single-handedly carrying the Yankees, but he's also 
helping fantasy teams win right now, too, uh, assuming that you, if you have him on your team. Uh, he's now up to 34 home runs on the year, having a monster September. Two, 299 batting average, nine homers, and the it's basically the ground ball rate is way down in the second half of the season. The fly balls are uh, way up for Giancarlo Stanton. Managing to stay healthy this year has been a huge key for him, but if you drafted any of the util-only players coming into the year, Scott, you profited like crazy. And that and those were players that we were very excited about this year. Uh, maybe not J.D. Martinez as much, but, I mean, we we liked them. We liked all of them. I, I mean, I, this was the lowest you were going to get Stanton ever in his career. So I, I remember being all over him. But, yeah, shout out to all of the util-only bats. They've, they've been great. Yeah, they have. I mean... Jorge Soler, his season numbers, because he was he was part of that group. And, you know, he was kind of way behind the others. Yeah. But, but even he's been useful when it's mattered most. For sure. Here down the stretch in crunch time. Yeah. I, even Fran Mil Reyes is flying under the radar. He missed a bunch of time and, oh, yeah. and still has over 30 home runs in the year. So mm-hmm. shout out to those util only bats, uh, Giancarlo Stanton for staying healthy, finally. Uh having having a real big season here down the stretch. Let's, let's talk about some other. Other players, not Yankees, all right? Let's do that. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right, Scott, so I asked you this question before we started the podcast, and I have no idea why, because it was so obvious where you were going to go, and rightfully so. Danger Ranger, Ranger Suarez, coming through in the clutch when it matters most. I heard from many a person, many a person, Frank, singing the praises of Ranger Suarez. On old twitter.com. Some even thanking me for having the foresight to beat the drum for him steadily and firmly and loudly and repeatedly as I did. As I did. In fact, when he was removed from the closer role, I even said, you know what? Probably don't want to drop him though. I think this might work out. Well, it worked out in particular on Saturday. Complete game shutout, four hits, seven strikeouts, no walks against the Pirates. So, you know, obviously a good matchup, but it hasn't really mattered what the matchup is for Rangers Suarez. I mean, it wasn't throwing complete game shutouts every time, but his ERA, he somehow managed to lower it, right? It's now down to 145 on the year. Um, he's still only 79% rostered. I'm, I'm sure anybody who's still paying attention at this point doesn't have a shot at him anymore, but it's just funny that he still can't quite get to that 80 threshold that we, we've 80% threshold that we've been using all season. Um, so yeah, 145 ERA for the year. And yeah, obviously a lot of it came in relief, but in his 11 starts, a 169 ERA, a 109 whip, like he's just been. Is is nothing short of amazing. Nothing short of amazing for Ranger Suarez. And he gets the Marlins. Final week of the season. So why why would you bench him now? You should not. Yeah, he is... No. Uh, Ranger Suarez, 79% rostered, which you mentioned, 64% started. So get him in your lineup. He's been pivotal. He's He's been a league winner. I know, you know sometimes uh, we might kind of stretch that a little bit, but... You mentioned the numbers. I mean, a sub two ERA that I think that qualifies uh, as a one league winner. Five ERA. <laughs> Seriously, he, he's been amazing. Uh, three runs or less in all of his starts that he's made. A few of those were shorter when he was getting stretched out, but two runs or less in ten of eleven. I, so Ranger Suarez has been uh, nothing short of amazing. Sixty percent ground ball rate on the season. Get him in your lineups this week at the Miami Marlins. And I thought it made the most sense to just talk about the other pitcher that had a complete game shutout this weekend, Max Freed, as my, oh my goodness gracious player. Three hit shutout at the Padres. Four strikeouts to zero walks. Only seven swinging strikes on 98 pitches, but uh, he has been incredibly efficient. I mean, to throw nine innings in a start on only 98 pitches, uh, it's incredibly impressive. 11 straight quality starts for Max Freed, and during that stretch, he has a 1.58 ERA, a 0.81 whip, a 58% ground ball rate. Uh, the control has been awesome this year for Max Freed. Overall, the numbers, low threes ERA. He's got a 1.11 whip. Uh, he is at home against the Phillies this week in a pivotal matchup in the National League East uh, divisional standings here down the stretch. So I have no doubt, obviously, you're leaving him in your lineup, but yeah. Much like Ranger Let's Suarez. For the ground ballers. Seriously. The ground right? ballers 
You know, Suarez a 60% ground ball guy. Fareed, you said there is close, at least during this 11-game stretch. Or was that the season number you gave, 58%? That is during this 11-game um, stretch. Yeah. Uh, both less than a strikeout per inning, which is, like, bad. We, we've, you could say, for the most part, we ignore guys with less than a strikeout per inning. But when you, when you put balls on the ground that much, you know, you're able to avoid damage on home runs and extra base hits of all kinds, really. And, um, you know, they're, they're just below a strikeout per inning, right? So it's not like they're, you know, sometimes you, you see extreme ground ballers and they're getting like five, six K per nine. That's, they're getting more than that, these two. And uh, it's enough in combination with their extreme ground ball tendencies that they, they still perform like high-end pitchers in fantasy. Good for them. Good for all of us. You know, Max Fried was somebody we were kind of worried about coming into the season. He had that low two ZRA last year. And, it, you know, law of averages said that wasn't going to continue. But we thought the regression would be a lot harder than it's been. And I've said this a few times. We've talked about Max Fried. You eliminate those first three starts in April when it was discovered his shoulder wasn't right. He had an IL stint soon after. You limit those, eliminate those first three starts. His ERA is 250 for the year. So, Actually, not that much higher than last year. <laughs> I think the fact of the matter with Freed is he's just rock solid. And I don't think mm-hmm. that, you know, even this stretch that he's on right now, I don't think we're going to see that reflected in his ADP next year. I think he's probably going to be drafted as a top 25-ish starting pitcher next year, an SP3, maybe a low-end SP2, high-end SP3, something like that. But, I mean, we have 440 innings pitched uh, sample size for Max Freed in his career. He's got a 3.38 ERA, a 1.24 whip. It's a little high, but a 3.52 xFIP, 3.58 FIP. Hey, this is just who he is. I mean, he's a mid three ERA. That's awesome. That will definitely play uh, just below a strikeout per inning. He's fine. I think Max Fried is, is definitely fine as a uh, probably more so as like an SP three in a twelve team league for next year. But yeah, I wanted to give him a nice little shout out and a shout out to who. Tyler Anderson, an honorable mention here. Oh my goodness gracious. Wow. For all the wrong reasons, right? So we talked about two awesome lefties. Uh, Tyler Anderson this weekend allowed nine earned runs on nine hits in only two innings pitched against the Los Angeles Angels, which is supposed to be one of the best matchups right now. Uh, He is 39% roster. We were kind of touting him as a sleeper for this upcoming week. He's going up against the Angels again this week, but... I think yes, ba- he is, but no. Based on <laughs> so, what based on what happened this weekend, we're uh, I think we're getting away from that. Yeah, not gonna use him. Also in that category would be Tristan McKenzie. Mm. Just a disastrous week when you could least afford it. He was the two start pitcher. I, I think I had him in the must start section of my two start pitcher rankings because of how dominant he had been, and just two disastrous starts this week combined tenor runs in six and two thirds innings 14 hits allowed remember he was a guy who wasn't allowing any hits 14 hits in six and two thirds innings this week um i know the first of the two starts he gave up three home runs but you know that none at all in that second one so i don't really know i don't it's been kind of a confounding player this whole year and uh it continues, leaving a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I think the dilemma for this week is he's at Texas. So that is theoretically a great matchup. They have the lowest Woba over the last 14 days that Texas Rangers do. He's only 63% started. I know he's coming off a rough week, but I really like that matchup, Scott. What do you think? I mean, it wouldn't be a firm no for me. It kind of depends who else you have, but even with that matchup, I can't say I trust Tristan McKenzie at this point. Mm. In a vacuum, if you're in a 12-team league, you think you're more likely to start or sit? I think I'm more likely to sit. If I if my team's good enough to really be competing for anything at this point, then I probably have some alternatives there. All right, cool. I know some people have already uh, tweeted I, in, and what's up? I, I would pick up Joe Ryan. Yes. Who, I mean, really, honestly, for fantasy, the biggest news of the weekend was that Joe Ryan was put on the bereavement list. And and so now he's not going to be a two-star pitcher. He was, you know, obviously the guy we were hyping on Friday's show. Two starts, both favorable matchups. He's obviously pitched the way he has since getting called up. He is supposed to be back and take the mound on Thursday against the Tigers. So we'll still get one good matchup there. And I would start 
Joe Ryan, who's still rostered in uh, only 50% of leagues. I'd, I'd start him over Tristan McKenzie. Yeah, a favorable matchup there against the Tigers. And, and, and in fact, losing even losing that second start, I kept Joe Ryan in the number one slot in my sleeper pitchers for this upcoming scoring period. So he's he's not a distant number one anymore, but he's still number one. All right. Uh, some people have tweeted in and emailed asking uh, if we are worried about any teams benching their players this final week, Scott. Is this something that you are cognizant of, that you're thinking about? Uh, the teams that have clinched their divisions, the Rays, the White Sox, and the Brewers, the Giants and Dodgers have clinched playoff spots, but are still playing for a lot because they're you know determining who wins the National League West and then in who's hosting the National League wildcard game. Uh, and then we have the Astros who could clinch their division pretty soon. I, I would say within the, the first couple of days here in the week. Are you worried about any teams benching their players? Not specifics, really. Not specifics. Obviously, the teams that are going to the playoffs, they want to keep their guys fresh. So they may sit them a game or two. But it's just, it's hard to predict. And, and, you know, if they're obviously your best player, I think you you just got to hope for the best. I think it there's a good chance it's less pronounced than it has been in the past, and even in the past, I think too much was over, too much was made of it. But as I've referred to a few times before, uh, September roster expansion isn't nearly what it was. In in the past, teams could bring everyone on their forty man roster up theoretically in September, and you didn't see you didn't see many teams do that, but could. You know, it was common to be between 30 and 35 players for the month of September. And um, 28's the max for this September. Only two new guys could could be added to the roster for the month. So it's not like teams have a lot of options. It's not like they can, you know, r- run a bunch of young guys out there just to, to get a look at them for next year. So I don't think it's going to be a huge problem. Somebody did bring up on Twitter... And I wish I could remember who it was so I could give him credit because it wasn't a thought I had. But with the Padres being officially eliminated from the postseason, obviously Fernando Tatis, his shoulder and the possibility of him needing surgery in the offseason has been an ongoing storyline. Why wouldn't they just shut down Tatis at this point? Maybe. Maybe that happens. But un- unless I see something concrete, I'm not sitting the best player in fantasy for the final week on the season just based on that hunch. So possible though it may be, like I have to see somebody with real authority actually say that that's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So maybe check out some Padres uh, beat writers before lineups lock. I know there are a few games at one o'clock p.m. Eastern time on Monday, but not the Padres, obviously. They're not involved in that. So if if your league works out where you have to decide whether to start or sit a player up until that p- person actually plays, then I would just follow the news with the Padres and see if anything comes out regarding Fernando Tatis. That is crazy that the Padres have been eliminated. I, I would say, you know, one of the biggest disappointments this year in general is the, uh, the San Diego Padres not, not well, going to make the playoffs here. Yeah, I mean, it has just as much to do with the Cardinals who've won 16 straight and they've pretty Absolutely. much... They pretty much locked up that second wild card spot with that. I mean, the Reds are need a miracle at this point. They, basically, the Reds need to win. I, I think they're about to be eliminated. I think just the, the magic number must be like one or something. <laughs> um, they're six games back of the Cardinals. So no margin for error at all if the Reds are going to beat the Cardinals. So, um, you know, Cardinals took care of business, obviously, winning 16 straight here in September. Crazy. I would not want to face the uh, the Cardinals in, in a wild card game. I will say that. So Dodgers, Giants, whoever you are, Cardinals are uh, they're a buzzsaw right now. They, they're the hottest team in baseball. I did want to give a few shout outs to uh, podcast league participants, people who are still alive in the finals. Shout out to uh, Joel Massey who absolutely crushed Adam and me in the uh, semifinals there. And then on the other side, Sean Millerick destroyed Chris Towers. So uh, they will be meeting in the finals of the Head-to-Head Points Podcast League. So good luck to both you. Should and me, Frank. Yes. Should have been me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, my good friend. scoring team. <laughs> well, Chris beat me in the final week, though. All, all we've got to do is next year we'll make it, uh, you know, one of those po- uh, playoff spots goes to Someone with the most points. Uh, and we'll yeah. make it happen. 
that that would have saved me. Well, mm-hmm. you are participating in the finals of the For the People League, so I know which, that which has famously been the like my nemesis that ever <laughs> since Heath set it up. In fact, I I say Heath made the rules just to troll me. <laughs> that sounds about right. The 16-team head-to-head categories league for the People League. Yeah, I'm in the finals there, so I am losing currently. It's a, it's but a it's close, close one. Yep, it is a close yeah. one. You're down four-five-one to uh, to Mark Clemens. So, do want to give a shout out to everybody, all the listeners who are are participating participating in the finals of our podcast leagues. And I've got I've got some nerves running, Scott. I'm in I'm in Tout Wars finals up against Ariel Cohen. I mentioned it a few times last week. I'm up 104 points. With another week to play out, anything can happen. I mean, as easy as it is to build a 100-point lead, I feel like you know it, it could just go the other way, and he can you know come yeah. back and and kind of have you a monster him, week Frank. himself. So you got him. No, 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 no. You're, you're gonna take down Ariel. I I, I hope so, but it, nothing is set in stone yet. There's a lot of baseball to be played. I scooped Drew Rasmussen for the two-start week, so tough uh, matchups. I don't think he's making two starts Stop. anymore. Don't say that, Scott. Why? <laughs> I think Michael Walker is scheduled to go Tuesday for the race. No. Actually, Fred Zinke pointed that out to me on Twitter. So, oh, How many times have I mis- mentioned Twitter this show? Uh, the life outside of Twitter. Well, Come on. Why didn't you tell me this stuff beforehand, Scott? All Sorry. Right. Well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll look into You're it. better afterwards. off without Drew Rasmussen. Come on. Well, I, I picked him up, so now I got to start him because that's like the Tower Wars rule, so... Yay. Oh, that's true. Yay me. Uh, for every for everybody who's already won their fantasy baseball league, I know a lot of people have been showing us love on where? Twitter. You know, drink. We've said it like 10 times already today. Uh, congrats to everyone who has already taken down their league. Uh, and if you enjoyed the podcast this year or we helped you win the chip, feel free to drop a five-star rating and review on Apple. It helps more than you think. We do really, really appreciate it. And I mentioned at the top, this is our last weekend recap of the season. But starting next week... FET and FET and five, we are going to two podcasts per week from October through December, which I think makes the most sense because it's obviously uh, the off season, but we're going to do a lot of recapping position by position. We'll have a lot of guests on as well. So if you have any, anything that you want to hear in the off season, or if you have feedback for the in season podcast that we did, please email us fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Uh, let us know if anything you want us to talk about or guests that you'd like to like us to have on uh, in the offseason. Definitely things that we would consider. News and notes from the weekend. Shane Bieber made his return on Friday against the White Sox. He threw three perfect innings with three strikeouts. He had five swinging strikes on only 34 pitches. Notice that his velocity was down between 1.3 and 1.7 miles per hour on all four of his pitches. Only 34 pitches, which I mentioned. Uh, even if I have him, I, I don't know if I want to start him this final week, Scott. Well, it is a really good matchup at Texas, right? Lines up for Texas. If, if not Texas, then Kansas City. Yeah. I will, uh, I'll pull it up. But yeah, either way, it's, it's pretty um, good. It's not automatic. Joe Ryan is somebody I would start over Shane Bieber. I do think I'd start Bieber over Tristan McKenzie, though. Yes, Bieber is, it looks like, according to CBS, is at KC this okay. week. Uh, and they've actually... Been hitting the ball pretty well last 14 days, 10th and weighted on base average. So I don't think that Bieber is an automatic start. Obviously, he's a huge name. He was a first-round pick, but he only threw 34 pitches. So keep that in mind. I think maybe he gets up to like 50, 60. Does that allow him to go five innings? Maybe, if he pitches efficiently. So just keep all those things in mind. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu is expected to make, make his return, be activated, and start on Tuesday against the Yankees, which I think that makes him a two-star pitcher this week. He would be... Mm-hmm. At home against the Yankees and the Orioles. He's 45% started. This is, uh, I don't know, this is kind of a wild card. Yeah, I wouldn't start him. I mean, I'd start him over Drew Rasmussen, but. Why'd you have to tell me that, man? I'm so <laughs> upset now. Like, I don't want to start a one-start Drew Rasmussen. Ay, ay, ay. You got it, Frank. It's it's gonna be fine. I don't. Mm, I'm I'm not 100 certain. All right. Well, on the other side of that Ryu start will be Jamison Tyone also making his return. The problem is he's at the Blue Jays and he's home against the Tampa Bay Rays this week. He's only 30 percent started. Should that remain the case? Uh, for Jamison Tyone, n- no, I would not start Jamison Tyone. However. Do need to add him to the two star pitchers because I didn't have him in there. All right. Well, you do that. I'm gonna 
Search all over Twitter for Drew Rasmussen to see how many starts he's making this week. Uh, Joe Ryan, you mentioned he was placed on the bereavement list this weekend. Uh, he will start Thursday against the Tigers. He still is your top sleeper pitcher for the week. Wander Franco has reached base reached base in 41 straight games. And according to MLB Stats on Twitter, that is the second longest streak by a player under 21 years old ever in the history of baseball. Frank Robinson had a 43-game streak way back when. So Wander Franco is currently threatening that streak. Uh, if he can do it for two more games, and he would break it if he does it for three more. Matthew Boyd will undergo surgery on the flexor tendon in his left elbow on Monday. David Bednar was activated off the IL Sunday, and he pitched in the seventh inning with a 3-0 lead. And then they scored a bunch of runs, and Chris Stratton still pitched in the ninth inning. So I assume that the next save opportunity will still go to Chris Stratton. I assume so, too. Assuming the Pirates get a save opportunity in their final seven games. True. Um, yeah, I mean, even when Bednar, before he got hurt, it was kind of up in the air which of those two would get a save. We had a bunch of players go to the IL this weekend. Zach Greinke was scratched from the start Friday against the A's and landed on the IL with neck soreness. Wade Miley went to the IL with a strained neck, and maybe that explains why he's been pitching so poorly in the month of September. Uh, Austin Nola went to the IL with a left thumb strain and will undergo season-ending surgery. Nick Ahmed uh, went to the IL with a left shoulder with left shoulder inflammation. J.D. Davis with a left hand sprain. Jed Lowry with a right hand sprain. Elvis Andrus fractured his left fibia. And Tyler Wells went to the IL with right shoulder inflammation. And he was... It seemed like he was the de facto closer right now for the Baltimore Orioles. So as a result, uh, Cole Sulcer would be the next name up. But much like the Pirates, I don't know if the Baltimore Orioles are going to have a save opportunity in the final week. Probably not, but... I guess for those in deeper leagues, just keep that in mind. Starter sit. These players are currently dealing with something injury-related, uh, so you might have some questions about them. Dylan Cease left Friday's start after being hit by a comebacker but said he expects to make one more start before the postseason. Would you leave him in the lineup? His last two starts were great. Both innings-wise fell a little short of quality, but he was overpowering in them. His final start would presumably be against the Tigers, so I th think I would. Yeah, I'd, I'd plan on starting Cease. Brandon Belt was hit by a pitch on his hand Sunday, and he actually left the game. He hit two home runs on Saturday, a nice little double-dong, and Brandon Belt, we know, in the second half, has been uh, one of the more hot players uh, in terms of power, for sure. So what do we think about yeah. Belt for this week? Uh, yeah, with the status of the hand, since we don't have an update, it's hard to say. Uh, the Pirates matchups are, I'm sorry, the Giants matchups are okay. Um, I, I'd lean against starting him just because of the uncertainty. But if, if, if we get, if we hear something positive between now and then, you could start. I mean, 29 home runs this year. Do you know what his previous career high in home runs was, Brandon Belts? Let's go with 21. 18. Ah, you know, I was thinking 18 too. Yeah. Man, so he has 29? I believe it's a contract year. 29 and only 322 at bats. Yeah, no, no, no. His like He's been his pace. And this is started ridiculous. last year. Obviously, it was too short for him to set a career high in home runs then, but um different different player. Between this year and last year in 147 games, Brandon Bell has a 983 OPS, 38 home runs. Yeah. No, he, he's been amazing. And they've done great work, that whole front office. And, you know, since Gabe Kapler has come in as the manager for the San Francisco Giants. So whatever they're doing, they are finding ways to get the most out of the talent on their team. So Buster Posey, awesome bounce back year. Brandon Belt has really been good since uh, the start of last season. He is a an unrestricted free agent after this year. So I always wanted to see what he would do in a place like Yankee Stadium where they have that short porch in right field, but... Well, anywhere but San Francisco. San Fran it was clear San Francisco was killing him for the yeah. majority of his career. Uh, but that's kind of changed the last two years. Yeah. Because it, it seems like that park's played not so extremely pitcher-friendly. Uh, but looking at, you know, looking at Brandon Bell's split this year, the road numbers are still better. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd be... 
I'd be interested in him leaving San Francisco if if they let him go. They may not. Yeah. They have resources. Yeah, we shall see. Joey Votto has sat out two straight games with left knee soreness. What are we thinking about his status for this week? Yeah, it's pretty iffy too. Do like the Reds matchups this week, though they are about to be eliminated. Sure. And so, you know, I, I'd I'd like to have an alternative to Joey Votto if if you know it, it probably depends how shallow the league is. If I already have a first baseman on my bench, but I'm I'm pretty worried. Patrick Wisdom was scratched Sunday with wrist soreness. Starter sit. Sit. Cedric Mullins was out Saturday and Sunday with a sore hamstring. He did join the 30-30 club on Friday. He hit his 30th home run of the season. Ridiculous, ridiculous year for uh, Cedric Mullins. But would you start him? Uh, that sounds a little concerning. Him sitting two in a row. And I don't love the Orioles matchups this week. Obviously, the way Mullins has played this year, he's kind of beyond matchups. Oh, yeah. But it, but it is, it is another factor to consider. So... Again, I, I have a hard time just saying no to somebody that high end, but I'd be I'd definitely be worried about starting him. And if I had a great alternative, I'd look into it. Lourdes Gurriel did not play in a single game this weekend after receiving stitches in his hand. Thursday, I mentioned uh, Randall Grichuk stepped on his hand accidentally. There was like a play in the outfield where Gurriel dove and then whatever. Um, but yeah, he did not play at all this weekend. What do we think about Lourdes Gurriel? Three outfielder leagues, I think you definitely sit him. Five outfielder leagues. Kind of depends. It'll be harder to do. Yep. Last name here, Anthony Santander exited Sunday with leg discomfort. Yeah, you can sit him. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we return, those Cardinals are hot. We'll talk about them next. Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Go Cards Go! 16 in a row. Paul Goldschmidt hit two more home runs this weekend. He now has five homers over his last six games. We spoke about him a little bit towards the end of last week. Just a renaissance season for uh, for Paul Goldschmidt, which probably has not gotten a lot uh, enough love, admittedly. But yeah, you mentioned he's inside your top five first baseman uh, in the rankings right now, which, yeah, whatever. There's like a week left, but rightfully mm-hmm. so. He's uh, He's been awesome, as has Tyler O'Neill. I mean, basically all the Cardinals. You don't win 16 straight uh, without a lot of people going off. But O'Neill had three homers and one steal this weekend. And then Harrison Bader, a monster weekend. Ten hits, three homers, two steals over a four-game stretch. They had a doubleheader on Friday. He's 27% rostered. Six home games this upcoming week versus the Brewers and the Cubs. And I know that he is one of your sleeper hitters this upcoming Mm -hmm. week. So uh, I mentioned a few outfielders in that last segment that are kind of banged up, if you need an alternative, Harrison Bader is is one of the hottest right now. Yeah, among the outfield eligible players, I, I moved him up in my 10 sleeper hitters. He's now number three behind Frank Schwindel and Brendan Rodgers. So the top-ranked outfielder after that monster weekend. I almost made Harrison Bader my oh-my-goodness-gracious player instead of Ranger Suarez because he is highly available, and I do like their matchups next week in those six games. He misses Corbin Burns and uh, uh, Freddie Peralta in that Brewer series. Does have to face Woodruff, but he misses those other two. So, you know, pretty good matchups for the Cardinals. Yeah, and it was a big weekend for a lot of the sleeper hitters that are on your list for the final week here, Scotty. 
Uh, Ian Happ went two for four with his 24th home run on Saturday. He's 61% rostered. The Cubs have the third best hitter matchups this week. Uh, you do have Harrison Bader one spot ahead of Ian Happ if anyone has that decision to make. Lane Thomas went two for five with another home run on Saturday. He's behind both Harrison Bader and Ian Happ. Kyle Farmer had four hits this weekend, including a home run on Sunday. He's 32% rostered. He has first, second, third, and shortstop eligibility. He is just behind Lane Thomas. So again, if we're ranking those names, it's Harrison Bader, Ian Happ, Lane Thomas, Kyle Farmer, if you do need uh, some hitters to pick up for the final week here. Any love for these names? They are not sleeper hitters, but they had pretty good weekends. Nathaniel Lowe, five hits, two homers. I feel like I bring them up all the time. We're just like, eh, whatever. It's, you know. It <laughs> you is, really want to make... I want him to be a thing. It's not going to happen. It's, Nathaniel yeah. Lowe's not going to happen, Frank. <laughs> like try, Fetch. Stop trying to make Fetch a thing. It's just yeah, not going to happen. Uh, 52% rostered. He's got six home games this week against the Angels and Cleveland. Miles Straw, who... I know Cleveland has the best hitter matchups for this upcoming week for you. Miles Straw went four for five with a steal on Sunday. He's 52% rostered. So specifically, if you are chasing steals or run score, I can see Miles Straw being a name to target for this week. And then in deeper leagues, someone else I actually also picked up in Tout Wars. It's going to sound gross, but Alcides Escobar went two for six with a home run on Friday. He's 7% rostered. He's got three games in Coors Field for the first series, uh, the first half of this week. So I wanted some exposure to Coors Field. Scotty is not happy. Well, it's, your your Tout Wars League is only 12 teams, right? Not 15? Yeah, but it's roto-sized rosters and unlimited IL yeah. spots. So there, there's a lot of players rostered. Okay. All right. Who would you start at middle infield otherwise? I had Isaiah Kiner-Falefa as my middle infielder. Yeah, that's not very good. <laughs> hey, You're in the I mean, finals? it was getting what? the job done here, Scotty. So <laughs> come on now. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any love for? All right. We know you don't like Nathaniel Lowe. How about Miles Straw? Come on, Frank. All right. You don't want to love Miles Straw either. I know. I mean, there's just a few names that all year I've I've tried and tried to get you on you board. Tried and tried. Miles Straw. I mean, obviously, he could impact the steals category if you need help in that specifically, but. Otherwise, I'm just that just doesn't do enough. What if I told you that Miles Straw is one of my starting outfielders in Towers <laughs> in a head-to-head points league? You probably. I'd hope it's. I'd hope it's two points per stolen base, like the CBS standard is. Uh, is it? Yeah, it is the C, uh, standard CBS scoring. So, oh, right. is that that's what they use, really? Yeah. Wow. So Ariel won last year. He got to choose the scoring system. And he chose CBS. Oh, that's how it works. Uh, well, let's see here. He went four for five on Sunday. He had an RBI, and he had a steal and a double. So five, six, yeah. Stolen bases are worth two points, yeah. Yeah, okay. let's go. Miles Straw. All right, he's on my team, but <laughs> Scotty doesn't like him. I, I think I asked you this last week, but if you need a catcher for the final week, Caber Ruiz hit a home run on both Friday and Saturday, so we're starting to see some of this power come around. And we know right. uh, three of those games are in Coors Field. He's 35% rostered. And the top three most added catchers on CBS this weekend were Caber Ruiz, Dalton Varsho, and Elias Diaz in that order. Is that how you would have mm. them ranked for this upcoming week? Yeah, probably. I like all three for this week. I, I kind of always like Dalton Varsho. Um, since he's, you know, athletic enough to steal bases and to play the outfield, including center field, and just always, always seems to to have a big enough game each week to make him worthwhile at that catcher spot. But I, I would put Ruiz ahead of him now that he is showing that power and has that series at Coors Field. Elias Diaz also benefits from having that series at Coors Field, but it is just one even for the Rockies. So I, I think that's the right order. All righty. Some uh, hitter studs being studs from the weekend. Nick Castellanos had a sock and a shoe on Friday, which we're not used to because he doesn't run very much. It was only his third steal of the season. He actually homered in each game this weekend. So he's now up to 32 home runs, finishing strong here for Nick Castellanos. Same thing with Corey Seager. He had a double dong on Sunday. He's having a big September. 350 batting average, five homers, a 1035 OPS. Marcus Semien, two more home runs. For himself this weekend, now up to 43 homers from Marcus yeah. Semien. I mean, 
Among the players that I got wrong this year, Max Scherzer and Semyon have to be at the top of the list. I mean, you mentioned oh, yeah. Semyon's going to finish top three in MVP voting, and Scherzer... In fact, very in fact you, you could make the argument, in, in terms of war, it's true that Semyon deserves it more than Vladimir Guerrero does. Yeah. I mean, you can make the argument, but... I don't think that I personally don't think that's how the voting will shake out. I don't think that's how the voting will shake out either. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Salvador Perez better watch out uh, if he wants that home run title. Simeon's uh, coming after him. Yeah, it's called. I believe Vlad and, and Salvi are both at forty six. I was looking at the home run leaderboard earlier oh, Vlad today. Vlad is too. Yeah, I think Otani has forty five. It's close. They're all kind of bunched up there at the top. Jose Ramirez also had a massive weekend. Five hits, one homer, two steals. He is at 36 homers and 26 steals for the season. 100% a first-round pick again next year, right? Uh, 100%, yes. Sweet. Uh, Trey Turner, also going to be a first-round pick next year. Double dong on Saturday. He added another homer on Sunday. So he's now at 25 homers and 31 steals. And this guy is not a stud. Brought his name up earlier. But I wanted to mention what he's done with the Braves. Jorge Soler. Went three for five with his 25th home run this weekend. And uh, 51 games with the Braves, 262 batting average, 12 homers, and 848 OPS. He's been very serviceable. He's 79% rostered, so probably not available in your leagues. Uh, but another player who's an unrestricted free agent this year, much like uh, Brandon Belt, will be interested to see where Jorge Soler winds up this offseason. Let's jump over to the pitching side of things, and I got some waiver wire pitchers. Part one, these are names that are rostered between 50% and 70% of CBS leagues. Carlos Hernandez is 60% rostered. He's going up against Cleveland this week. Logan Gilbert was pretty meh in his start against the Angels. He is 68% rostered. He is going up against the Oakland A's this week. Tony Gonsolin threw five shutout with seven strikeouts at the Diamondbacks, and he is going up against the Padres the final week. Rich Hill, he was at the Brewers, five innings, two runs, six strikeouts, and he's at home against Miami. His last six starts, Rich Hill has a 2.84 ERA, so he's been pretty good. Uh, Shane Boz, my man, Shane Boz getting it done. He is awesome. Like I don't want to overreact yeah. to just two starts, but like Shane Boz is awesome. This guy throws. Yeah, I mean, he looks untouchable. And yeah, maybe that's not so surprising against the Marlins, but the first start was against the Blue Jays. And it's the <laughs> same story. What What's really interesting about this is um, he featured the slider prominently against the Blue Jays. That was his top secondary pitch and got the majority of his swinging strikes against the Blue Jays. He hardly threw the slider against the Marlins. He went more with the curveball. So he has a full arsenal on top of just wicked stuff and you know, I was able to locate it well. That's that that's been the key to his breakthrough this year in the minors. It was been a top prospect for a few years, but he became like a tip top prospect this year because of that improved control. And uh, at at the Yankees, the final week, I, I think though, I think though the majority of people who have him probably want to start him. I mean, he came through against the Blue Jays after all, and their, their run differential is much better than the Yankees, <laughs> as we have pointed out. The Yankees are hot right now, but. Uh, yeah, I was surprised that they actually let him come back out. I was watching the start. He was, I think, like right around 65 or 70 pitches through five, and then they bring him back out for the sixth inning, and he runs into some trouble, and they pull him after uh, five yeah. and two-thirds. Well, I hope that doesn't affect how they use him against the This was his second long of the season, uh, yeah. second longest start of the season for Shane Boz. He only went beyond five innings once. It was his very last start at AAA. He went six. Uh, but... You know, hopefully, hopefully he's able to go six at the Yankees. It's possible, I think, at this point. Yeah, I mean, they let him throw 82 pitches in this most recent start. The last name I wanted to bring up, Nick Pavetta. He went up against the Yankees this weekend. Five and a third, one run, seven strikeouts. Uh, we know who Nick Pavetta is at this point, but he's at the Orioles this week. And, you know, the Orioles are uh, not great, especially if they have no Cedric Mullins in the lineup. So lots of names here. Carlos Hernandez, Logan Gilbert, Tony Gonsolin, Rich Hill, Shane Boz, Nick Pavetta. Who are your three favorites to start this week, Scotty? My three favorites are Shane Boz, Logan Gilbert, and Carlos Hernandez. In fact, all three are among my 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. Ah, no love for uh, for the old man, huh? Rich Hill? 
I mean, it's okay. He's a sleeper in a sense too, but he didn't quite crack my top 10. Um, and, and Gonsolin, you know, I'd feel a lot better about Gonsolin if he didn't throw 68 pitches in this start as good as it was over the weekend, only only 68. And remember the previous outing was a multi-inning relief appearance. Mm-hmm. And then the one before that was a start that was also good, but he threw just 67 pitches. And if, if you're only throwing 60-something pitches, you can't... It's worked out for him in the two starts, but you can't count on him going five innings. Uh, but I think I think the Padres matchup will be good for him, and I think he's looked a lot better since coming back from the IL. So I'd like to recommend Tony Gonsolin as a sleeper. I just think in the same way I was hesitant to do so for Shane Boz last week, and obviously that that paid it. Paid off for the people who didn't listen to me on Shane Boz. So I'm just pointing out for Tony Gonsolin. I think there is the possibility of a good outcome here for him. All right. Weaver Wire starting pitchers part two. These are rostered between 29 and 45% of CBS leagues. Bailey Obert went five and a third. He gave up one run with six strikeouts against the Blue Jays this weekend. And he is at home against the Tigers uh, this upcoming week. He's 31% rostered. Eric Lauer, another great start. This time against the Mets, six and two-thirds. He had nine strikeouts, only one run allowed. His He's 45% rostered. The problem, he is at the Dodgers this week. And then Antonio Senzatella, who I believe is one of your sleeper pitchers, Scott. Uh, he has a quality start in eight of his last nine starts. He was he was okay in like the most Antonio Senzatella way on Sunday. Six innings, eight hits, two runs, two strikeouts. Against the Giants. I mean, yeah. got back, started a new quality start streak. I think that's 10 and 12 now. Quality starts for Senzatella. Yep. And he is at the Diamondbacks this week. So, how would you rank that group? Senzatella, Lauer, Ober? Uh, Senzatella, Lauer, Ober. <laughs> I wish, I wish uh, Lauer did have a better matchup than probably the worst matchup he could possibly have against the Dodgers because of how good he's been. But I don't really trust what's behind the 178 ERA in his past 14 appearances. It's amazing as it is. So against the Dodgers, it's let's see what's the what's the best team he's faced during that stretch. It's been mostly favorable matchups. He did face the Giants on September 2nd and limited them to one earned run in seven innings. Uh, so. I mean, I, I don't think it's unthinkable. I wouldn't say it's unthinkable that you start Eric Lauer, but I'd be hesitant to do so. All right. Weaver Wire starting pitchers part three. These are four deep leagues. Deep leagues. Jordan Lyles is 11% rostered. He's home against Cleveland this week. Elijah Morgan threw six shutout with six strikeouts against the White Sox. He only allowed one hit in that start. Uh, he's 9% rostered. He has allowed just one run over his last two starts. And he's at the Texas Rangers this week. Chris Bubich threw seven shutout on Sunday with six strikeouts against the Tigers. He is 16% rostered and home against the Twins this week. And then Jake Woodford has pitched in five games, four starts in September. He's got a 1.90 ERA and a 101 whip during that stretch. So he is 8% rostered and home against the Cubs. Uh, Lyles, Elijah Morgan, Chris Bubich, and Jake Woodford. In deep league, Scott. Well, I don't really want to recommend any of them. The one I'd come closest to is Eli Morgan. He he has uh, extreme fly ball tendencies, extreme, and is vulnerable to the home run. He's given up a lot of them this year, but you know, otherwise has been pretty good. Uh, since the start of August, 10 starts, he has a 396 ERA. And there, I think there were there was like one really ugly stre- outing during that stretch when he gave up two home runs, of course. So, um, you know, kind of a boomer bust play, but I, I could see Eli Morgan or Elijah Morgan as he's known on our site. I could see him having a quality start. Doesn't doesn't Eli Morgan sound like someone who is in the show Dexter? I don't know. You've never I don't watched- know much about the show Dexter. Oh, you've never watched Dexter? Nope. Ah, so the main character is named Dexter Morgan. Uh, so, you know, naturally, Eli Morgan. I don't know. It sounds like someone was named Eli in the show. I don't know. Maybe hmm. I'm just imagining that. 
I'm a, I'm a little surprised you haven't watched Dexter. Well, I'm, I'm a man of many surprises, Frank. <laughs> uh, there's actually a new season coming out. They took like a 10-year hiatus off. It's Honestly, it's just fan service because everyone hated the ending, so they're like, oh, we're going to come back 10 years later, which is pretty annoying to me. Like, Just admit that you messed up the ending and, and whatever. But Yeah, I, I have a... I have a hard time believing they'll be able to recapture what people liked nah, about yeah. the show after a 10-year layoff. I mean, you think about Arrested Development, which was just... <laughs> people people, people had, had been crying about losing it for 10 years, you know? How could, how could they do that? How could they take Arrested Development away? And then it comes back after that long layoff, and it's like... I know I know there were some like scheduling conflicts with all the actors cuz they've all become stars since then, you know. Um that made it difficult to it put it put constraints on the script and everything. I understand that, but it just wasn't good. It just wasn't. <laughs> the right. return just wasn't did not live up to the weight. I have what I think is a tough question here for you, Scott. You might just scoff at it and be like, no, it's, it, this doesn't matter. Uh, but Otani was amazing on Sunday. Again, as a pitcher, as he has been for most of the year, seven innings, one run, 10 strikeouts to zero walks. The ERA is down to 318. He's got a 109 whip on the season. In the second half, as a batter, he's batting 226 with an 833 OPS. Do you dare use Otani as a starting pitcher in the final week? He's at the Seattle Mariners. And he just dominated them on Sunday. It's a good matchup. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, just depends what you need more. But I think at this point, you can confidently expect a quality start from Shohei Otani uh, with with a healthy strikeout total and prob- you know very likely a win because of how well he pitches. And if that's what you need more right now than a big bat in your utility spot or outfield spot, I guess. Then, uh, then so be it. All right, I'm putting you on the spot. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. You have to make your official Cy Young predictions with one week left in the season. Who you got? Robbie Ray or Garrett Cole in the American League? Corbin Burns or Max Scherzer in the National League? Mind you, Corbin Burns and Robbie Ray just had two awesome starts again this weekend. Well, I mean, Corbin's making a strong case here to end the season. Three um, amazing starts in a row. And of course, we talked about how dominant Scherzer had been after joining the Dodgers, and then he had a stinker last time out. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Ray and Scherzer. Yeah, I think so too. Although, yeah, I mean, Corbin Burns is is making it close here, but uh, yeah, Scherzer's just having a ridiculous year. I mean, that last start out was at Coors Field. Uh, Robbie Ray. Yeah, no, I think both questions are, are, are super close. Garrett Cole is going to have a uh, an innings total that's a little bit lower than Robbie Ray for the season, so I think you take that into account. He did miss a little bit of time, uh, and and look, the, the resurgence of Robbie Ray, it's been really, really fun to watch. So this is the best version of him that we've ever seen, so I'm I'm cool with that. I think I'm with you. I think Robbie Ray and, uh, and Max Scherzer for the Cy Youngs. Let's wrap up with uh, some starter sit here, some uh, starting pitchers who... Mm, we got some questions about Sonny Gray uh, this weekend. Four innings, four runs allowed against the Nationals. He's sixty-six percent started. He's at the White Sox this week. He has been much better on the road this season. What do you think? I will say start, but of course that's not automatic. It depends on your options. Yeah, and this is assuming you know twelve-team league in a vacuum. So mm-hmm. it's hard to say like for. Do it for every format, but uh, you know, I feel like yeah. That's, I mean, it's it's pretty close. Starter sit like yeah, sixty percent of the time I'd start Sunny Gray. Alrighty, uh, Nathan Avaldi got rocked by the Yankees on Friday. He gave up seven earned runs. He is seventy percent started at the Orioles this week. Yeah, I mean, he'd been pretty reliable before this awful start. And the Orioles are the Orioles, the worst team in baseball, worst run differential by far. <laughs> so yeah, I would start Nathan Avaldi. All right, uh, Framber Valdez has 12 walks over his last three starts, so the control starting to slip away again here. He's at home against the Oakland A's. He's 76% started. Unless you're looking to preserve whip specifically in a categories league, I would lean start on Framber Valdez. All right, well, the pitcher that will be opposing him in that start is actually Sean Manaya, who 
was amazing in his most recent start. Seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts against the Houston Astros. He's 71% started at Houston again this week. Yeah, maybe he'll be amazing again, or again, but he's been so hit or miss lately at the Astros. I would lean no on Manaya. All right. How about your boy? Waskar Enoa has not completed five innings in any of his last three starts. He gave up seven runs to the Padres, and he is 50% started. He's home against the Mets this week. Enoa on Enoa. <laughs> uh, Lance Lynn, I think this one's pretty easy, but... uh. He did get rocked. He gave up six runs at Cleveland, and he has allowed six or more runs in two of his last four starts. He's home against yeah. the Tigers this week. Got to start Lance Lynn. Alrighty. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, he allowed four runs. Only three were earned at the Diamondbacks this weekend. He only got up to 73 pitches, so it's 73 in this most recent start, 74 pitches in the start before that. He's 54% started home against the Brewers this week. I'd start Clayton Kershaw. All right. Uh, Zach Gallen was actually great against the Dodgers. I know for the most part we've like written him off, but six innings, one run, eight strikeouts in that start. He is only 47% started, and he's home against the Rockies this week, and they are dead last in Woba on the road this season. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. Those 14 swinging strikes that Gallen had against the Dodgers of all teams, it was a season high, and that's been a big issue for him ever since coming back from the elbow injury just hasn't looked as crisp. Um, I know the cutter, he hasn't thrown that much this year and it was a big pitch for him last year. He didn't, it's not like he threw a bunch of cutters in the start against the Dodgers still managed to get 14 swinging strikes. And then of course the matchup is great against the Rockies. I would still lean no on Zach Allen. It's not an automatic. No depends what else you have, obviously, but, uh, it's just kind of too little, too late for me. John Gray has a 5.30 ERA in four starts since returning from the IL. He's only 32% started. He's at the Diamondbacks this week. No. John Means had been better recently. I gave up three runs over five innings pitch against the Rangers this weekend. He is at the Blue Jays this week. <laughs> Not with all those home run hitters now. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty scary. Uh, Tyler Malley. Turned in a quality start against the Nationals on either Saturday or Sunday, but uh, he's at the Pirates this week. I think we go yes. with that one. Yep. Yep. Pretty, um, pretty close to automatic on Mally. Tristan McKenzie, I mentioned him earlier. You, you seem like I, you I were, mean no, but yeah. you know it's it it's it's understandable if you feel like you need to start him at Texas. Carlos Carrasco is forty percent started. He's at the Braves this week. I'd sit him. Yeah, I agree with that. Freddie Peralta gave up four runs against the Mets this weekend. Uh, and in five starts since returning from the IL, he's got a 4.70 ERA. He's at the Dodgers this week. Mm, man, I was ready to say yes until you mentioned the matchup. You know, as a Sparp, I think you probably start him like as a, in a relief pitcher spot in a points league. If you're chasing strikeouts, I think you start him. Uh, otherwise, it might be safer to sit Freddie Peralta. Marco Gonzalez, in 13 second-half starts, has a 2.68 ERA, a 0.98 whip. He has been an unsung hero for uh, fantasy baseball here in the second half. He's 65% started, home against the Angels again this week. Yeah, he's got the season ERA down to four, which is pretty much around where we thought it would be coming in, so... Hmm. Against the Angels. Um, I could yeah, I could see doing that, especially in a points league, uh, roto league. You know, since he's not gonna give you many strikeouts, I don't know that it's worth risking ERA and whip on Marco Gonzalez, but he's been reliable enough that uh, probably like a fifty five percent chance I'd start him. Yeah, I think if you're chasing wins too, I'd I'd probably leave him in there just because he goes so deep into his starts and it's a favorable matchup against the Angels, so I have a feeling he'll be able to pitch pretty efficiently against them as well. Jordan Montgomery was all right on Sunday Night Baseball at the Red Sox. Five innings, one run, four strikeouts. He is 52% started home against Tampa Bay this week. Uh, He does have a 3.18 ERA and five starts against the Rays this season. I never mind starting Jordan Montgomery. I don't think he's automatic with this matchup. 
but I never minded. I I would I would say probably like a fifty five percent chance I'd start him, kind of like Marco Gonzalez. Well, who would you rather start between those two? I think Montgomery, actually. Hmm, interesting. I, I was going to say uh, Marco G, but you've been doing this for way longer than I have, Scott. So we'll trust you. Wow. I'm not in the finals in Tout Wars, Frank. <laughs> oh, Only in the podcast on. for the People League. Final schminals. Come on, Scotty. And I am going to win, I think. I don't want to speak too soon because I could still blow it. And that would be sad. But the NL only Roto League, the than the one we've been running on CBS since before I started at CBS. It's like I've got that one in the bag. Donkey Teeth of Rasball, he jumped out to a huge lead at the start of the season and held it for like five and a half months. But I just kept chipping away at that lead and chipping away and chipping away. And finally the inevitable happened and I passed him last week and I've just added on to my league this week. My lead this week. Yeah, I said it right. Um, and I've been in his position before in a roto league where you see that guy in your rearview mirror and you're just like, the season can't end fast enough and then you get overtaken <laughs> at the very end. And it, it sucks. He lost Ronald Acuna too, so who knows if it, how it would have played out if he hadn't. But, um, you know, NL only, and that makes Acuna yeah. that much more valuable. Yeah. I mean, but it's nonetheless, just, it's so, nonetheless. It's so hard to replace like a massive injury like that in, in a deep league like that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you know, what's crazy about what I've noticed about Roto leagues is even this time of year, you would think that there's not that much fluctuation because like so much needs to happen to jump the standings because there's like so many stats accumulated at this point, but standings are still changing like quite a bit in, in the Roto leagues that I'm in at least. So don't give up yet. I mean, if you're close, if you're in a position to, you know, maybe you move up into a few spots where you can cash out depending on how, how your league does payouts or whatever, just don't give up because Things, things are still happening here. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates for uh, Giovanni Gallegos. You know the Cardinals are hot. He picked up his 13th and 14th saves this weekend. He's 65% rostered. If you play in a shallow league and you need a relief pitcher, he is uh, the best one available, I would say. For the Rangers, Joe Barlow picked up his 8th and 9th saves of the season. He's 19% rostered. Scott Barlow, no relation to Joe. I don't think, actually. I just assumed that. <laughs> I've, I've assumed there's no relation either, yeah. I don't know. I want to look this up. Uh, anyway, Scott Barlow picked up his 15th and 16th saves of the season. He is 47% rostered. All right, Scott Barlow. If there's a relation, baseball reference doesn't know about it, and they're usually pretty good about that stuff. So. Yeah. All right. I think a pretty fair assumption. Uh, for the Reds, Michael Givens gave up three hits and three runs on Friday. He took his third blown save of the season. For the Twins on Friday, Alex Colomay got his 16th save. He is 50% rostered. For the Mariners, Drew Steckenrider recorded four outs across the 7th and 8th innings on Friday. Paul Sewald picked up his 11th save of the season. He is 46% rostered. For the Tigers, Michael Fulmer uh, recorded the final four outs and picked up his 12th save on Friday. He's 23% rostered. Nick Anderson picked up his first save of the season on Sunday, we know that Andrew Kittredge is on the IL, so if you play in a deeper league and you're chasing saves, Nick Anderson could be a name for you. He's 13% rostered. And then I thought this was interesting for Oakland on Sunday. Lou Trevino pitched in the ninth inning with the game tied, and he wound up getting the win. Andrew Chafin pitched in the, the eighth inning, so maybe Trevino gets the next save for them. Uh, Sergio Romo was not used at all in the game, so... Alrighty, uh, to stream or not to stream for Monday, Dallas Keuchel at the Tigers, Matt Manning versus the White Sox, Jackson Kawar at Cleveland, Josiah Gray at Coors Field, and Cole Irvin at the Mariners. Okay, I like Cole Irvin at the Mariners. I don't like any of the others. <laughs> if you're forcing me to pick one, I'll take Dallas Keuchel at Detroit. Yeah, don't use anyone outside of Cole Irvin. <laughs> that would be uh, my, uh, my sound advice to you. For Tuesday... Kyle Freeland versus the Nationals. Brady Singer versus Cleveland. Miles Michaelis versus the Brewers. Alec Mills at the Pirates. Mitch Keller versus the Cubs. And AJ Alexi versus the Angels. Not the most exciting group either. No, no, it isn't. Brady Singer against the Indians would be my top choice. Uh, Kyle Freeland against the Nationals. That could be okay. He might give you a quality start. Um, I think Miles Michaelis got pushed back actually so i'm not even sure he's someone you can consider here uh 
who did, who are they going with instead? The Cardinals. Yeah, I know I had to take Michaelis out of my two-star pitcher rankings. Oh, Adam Wainwright's going Tuesday, so obviously he's not somebody you can stream. Okay. So yeah, Brady, Brady Singer versus Cleveland, and then a distant second is Kyle Freeland versus Washington. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm with you on Brady Singer. Let's wrap it up for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.